Gods from the Far Beyond. This is one of a series of podcasts by Paldon Jenkins, coming to you from a farm in West Penwith, Cornwall, in the far southwest of Britain. And Penwith means far beyond, and it is. Today I think it's quite a good idea to talk about PowerPoints. And when I'm mentioning PowerPoints, I'm talking both about PowerPoints in space, in the landscape, and also PowerPoints in time. This is a very crucial thing because this, I believe, lay at the centre of what the ancients were trying to do with their megalithic engineering work that they did all over Britain, although it's focused particularly in the west and the north of Britain, in different areas. And I live in one of those areas, which is West Penwith, at the far end of Cornwall. And this is what I've been looking at while I've been living here. And as an astrologer as well, this is what I've been looking at as an astrologer, because I wanted to go back to the roots of astrology, to where it all really started before the days of birth charts, before the time of our self-preoccupation, our striving to discover who we are as individuals, in a time when people lived in very much more of a tribal collective way of living, and they didn't think of themselves quite so much as individuals in the same way that we do. They weren't really worried about that so much. They were more concerned about the welfare of the tribe as a whole, but also the part that it played in the environment in which it lived. And so this matter of PowerPoints is very, very important. Megalithic sites are placed on various kinds of PowerPoints. Some of these are quite major natural ones. In West Penwith, for example, the big natural ones are the hilltops and also the cliff sanctuaries, the cliff headlands that stick out into the sea. Those in the very, very earliest days of the Neolithic, when most of this country was forested, were the really key points. They were the places where people could meet up. They were the places where everyone placed themselves. They had their mental maps based on the hilltops and also on things like, in this area, carns, which are upstanding rocks in the granite, which are notable landmarks. Now, these places aren't just hills and carns. They're not just physical things. They are energy things. For example, in this area, the higher hills are granite-based, and they have their roots right deep down in the earth, because this is volcanic rock. They go right deep down into the earth, and granite is quite interesting, because it's made of about 20% crystals, and so it has energy. There's something very special about granite areas, and in the southwest of Britain, there are three granite areas. There's West Penwith, there's Bodmin Moor, and there's Dartmoor. And the people of the Neolithic and the Bronze Age loved these areas. This is where most of the activity went on, although activity went on elsewhere too. And different parts of Britain will be different in in this regard, but that was what was special in this area. Now, during the megalithic period, which is the Neolithic of the 3000s BC and then the Bronze Age, 
from the mid-2000s BC to the mid-1000s BC. That's a buzzard. During the, the Neolithic and the Bronze Age, the ancients discovered that there were places where there were energy vortices coming out of the earth. And what this is caused by is the underground flows of particularly of water, but also of earth energy, because the earth is an enormous kind of dynamo. It generates not only magnetism, but a whole range of frequencies of energy, which are both related to the physical, but they're also psychological. They discovered that if they built their ancient sites on top of these places, then there would be remarkable effects. And you will know this from your own experience when you have visited an ancient site. Because if you just sit down and relax and let yourself be for a while, you find that things start changing inside you. In other words, these places have a consciousness effect. They have a psychoactive effect. And so when they made something like a stone circle, they were creating an enclosed space which was tapping into one of these underground energy vortices. Dowsers call them blind springs, and in America they're called water domes. And they create these vortices of subtle energy, which are detectable on the Earth's surface. And some of these particular places are very, very strong indeed, and this is where the ancients put their stone circles. They also had other mechanisms with which to work with the energy of these places, such as cairns. Some of the cairns would have chambers inside, some would not. And they had enclosures, particularly on hilltops. I'm just half a mile from one of those. It's a, a circular enclosure built in the Bronze Age, 4,000-ish years ago which could hold 300 people on the top of a hill. It's called Kairabran, and I've talked to you about it before in earlier podcasts. Inside these places, therefore, they were capable of cultivating altered states of awareness. And this is a very, very important thing. This is key to the magic of these places, because they were aware that you can work with the physical world through consciousness. This is what nowadays people would call shamanism, although shamanism is not a, an ism at all. It's not a religion. It is the magical spiritual practices of peoples that they evolved in the place where they lived, in the context of the environment where they lived. And it was genuinely their own way of seeing things and of developing spiritually and magically. So they would see that spirit exists in all things and in certain things such as for example great trees or big rocks mountain tops headlands certain noticeable features there would be a greater sense of beingness and they would see these as beings and therefore if you're seeking to raise the fertility of the land on which you live then the logic of this would be to go inside and try and communicate with the spirits of the land, talk to them on their level, and work with them in the realm where they work, and learn from them, and perhaps even take instruction from them in a psychic sense, or get visions about how to proceed. So this is what I think they did 
at PowerPoints in space. And this is something where they'd really work at it. I mean, for certain major rites where they were seeking to work with quite profound things, such as improving the climate, in certain things like that, they'd really work at it for quite some time. They might start with preparation of fasting, and then people would gather, perhaps at a stone circle, and they would go into forms of meditation, contemplation, stillness. They would use forms of chanting and dancing in order to work up their state, to get into a good state. And then when they had come to a certain point, they would probably take what I would call mind medicines, such as psilocybin, in which to go into an altered state. And perhaps it would be that the shamans would be inside the circle and the people of the tribe would be outside it, and they would be holding the energy. They would be helping the shamans inside move into a profound inner state so that they could then start talking to the spirits of the atmosphere, the spirits of the cosmos the spirits of the earth. They could communicate with the intelligence of the earth and move into it. And they would think very much in terms of making offerings, of paying the price, of helping the spirits of place which existed around them. Because these spirits of place were the guardians of their tribe. They were the, the, the protectors. They could be very, the tribe could be very much affected by them. And they had to keep them happy. This is not just a sort of a superstitious kind of belief. This is something very, very real, which is coming up for people nowadays with regards to biodiversity and ecological restoration and earth healing. You've got to actually make the earth feel happier in its spirits. And so this is what they would do. Now, the thing is, they would do this at PowerPoints in space, but there was something more to this as well, and this concerns PowerPoints in time, because there are certain moments in time which are far more potent for consciousness change, for inner work, for all sorts of different things. And you will know this from your own experience, uh, things like, say, full moons. The solstices are always very special. And there are certain points in the year which the ancients recognized. They, they recognized particularly eight points in the solar year, which were the two solstices and the two equinoxes and then the four cross-quarter days. And then they would also recognize the importance of the new moons and the full moons. And then they would also observe the movements of the visible planets, Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter and Saturn. Because in their observation, when these planets did conjunctions in the sky, when they were in the same place in the sky, or when they were opposite each other in the sky, or whether they were forming different kinds of angles to each other, they observed that certain things would take place. Certain atmospheres would come about. Certain states of the world would come about. And they would observe how the planets moved and and how nature moved in connection with that in harmony with that and so what they noticed in particular was that there were certain points in time power points in time and these can be identified astrologically in multiple ways it's, it's a little bit complex but it's all outlined in my book powerpoints in time 
which I wrote in 2014, actually. It's a rewrite of a book that I wrote in 1987. So these PowerPoints in time, some of them are very, very high-level ones. Some of them are very, very intense. They're historic ones. One that's pretty easy to remember was 1989-ish, the fall of the Berlin Wall. That was during a lineup of Saturn and Uranus and Neptune, opposed by Jupiter and Chiron, uh, with Neptune doing another angle to it. And lo and behold, when that particular configuration slotted into place and became exact, within three days the Berlin Wall fell down. And so this is the kind of thing which can happen. And we get these PowerPoints in time. There are times of intensity when human issues reach a peak or a catastrophe can come. You can get storms, you can get extreme weather, you can get revolutions breaking out, you can get changes in weather patterns, all sorts of different things which affect the general welfare of people and things on planet Earth. And so, of course, identifying these particular PowerPoints in time in the future becomes a very, very important thing. And this is where the roots of astrology lie, because they were seeking to foresee when there would be key eclipses, when there would be lineups of planets, so that they could plan special events for those times, special workings for those times, and therefore make use of PowerPoints in time. And they would do this at PowerPoints in space. And why were they doing this? It was because of the consciousness effects. During PowerPoints in time, there are shifts of consciousness which can take place in the public domain. It's visible in our world. You've just got to be able to note it, see it, stand back a little bit from it and see what's happening underneath. And similarly, at PowerPoints in space, if you spend time at an ancient site, then you'll come away from it feeling quite changed. It has a consciousness effect. And therefore, they were, what they were doing here was they were utilizing both time and space and the consciousness opportunities available in those to get into deeper states of consciousness. And in fact, this can be done today by people like you in your growth process. If there are things to resolve, if there are issues around for you, then you will notice that they progress in kind of waves. There will be times when there are problematic times. You might be feeling tense, unresolved, not okay, even angry, ill, frustrated. And then there will be times when things go very well, flowingly, and it's quite amazing what can unfold during those times. Opportunities arise, uh, creativity comes up, inspiration comes up, things just start working right. And you get these sort of strange mixtures. And one of the remarkable things about time, particularly as it is conditioned by the movements of the planets, is that it never exactly repeats itself. We're talking about a multi-handed clock, a number of different interlocking cycles. And so we have this interlocking, therefore, of PowerPoints in space, PowerPoints in time, and the people of ancient times working in their shamanistic context, their magical context, sought to work with the spirits of nature, of the earth, the spirits of time, you could call them the lords of time, 
and in doing so this is how they maintained their world from a deep and profound viewpoint and this is something which is not just a nice thing to talk about about the past this is something which is becoming relevant for us today because there is a deeper aspect to our ecosystem to our climatic system to our, our planet and the way that it functions which we need to become much more aware of because if we can get more in touch with that deeper aspect of things then we can start correcting things on planet earth in a much more profound way and it would change us too and this is really where we're heading in some direction like this not about emulating the the ancients not about building stone circles or going around doing pagan ceremonies it's not exactly the what's called for here although obviously some people are called to do that and that's all part of the game now the issue is about seeking the same things that they sought but in our modern context from our modern perspective with our modern sense of spirituality with what we have become as modern people in a rather pressing time where really miracles are called for and really we need to pull on everything that we've got available to us to try and crack this one that's why i'm talking about this about powerpoints in space and powerpoints in time and what we can learn from the ancient people which is relevant to us today You've been listening to a podcast from the far beyond with Paldon Jenkins. If you want to know more about me, then go to my website at paldon.co.uk. And the music came from bensound.com, for which many thanks. Thanks for being with. There's more to come.